Hello guys, great to be here, even though this might not be a part of it, but it's good to see everybody here and thanks for everybody making the drive and uh, seeing some familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces and good to meet Mr. Harvey for sure um, and everyone else. So uh, pretty excited to be a part of uh, this group today and uh, there's a lot of cool things to talk about and to discuss that's going on in, our, in the automotive space and Great to be among top professionals uh, represented here today to, to share with us their thoughts and uh, expertise uh, and guidance as we get into 2021. So I want to throw out um, some of the questions uh, and we'll start uh, with Mr. Cott. Uh, so as we turn our attention to, to 2021, uh, what, is, what is one thing that dealers should be doing that they may have learned from 2020 that you definitely want to implement in 2021, or they should have learned anyways? Yeah, I mean, well, there was quite a few things, right? I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, you can walk through a few pillars. I mean, expense control was a big one right off the bat, right? You had to kind of do, you know, uh, we kind of broke it into um, three pillars where, you know, must have, would like to have, don't need. <laughs> um, and then, you know what, you had to shave the fat really quickly. So that, that was one pillar. And then the second one went right into customer engagement and employee engagement. So, I mean, we're communicating all different ways and way more often with, with our staff and, and making sure that, you know, we're aware of what they're doing and what's going on. And obviously everybody's on edge and everybody's stressed out. So when you have your employees and your customers a little bit on edge, you have to make sure that you know you're doing the right things to to combat that and and just have lots more resources you know whether it's for your benefits um, you know we added to the benefits to make sure our employees had you know that they had professional counselors and stuff like that for for the mental health stuff and and you know then you have to increase HR right because you know uh, as an owner you know there's not a day that goes by now where there's not an HR issue right where you have to be involved and talk to your team and find out what's best for that employee or, or that dealership, right? So um, I would just say, you know, <clears throat> I, don't think, I don't think it's gonna come out for a few months yet. So I think you gotta keep doing the things you're doing right now. And I think, you know, most of the strongest dealers, they, they reacted really quick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, on all those type of things and, and we're able to, a lot of them, you know, were able to have really good years because of it, right? So, um, you know, I'm, when I'm talking to a lot of my peers, they're telling me that they've had some of the best years because of those measures that they had to do, right? So, um, um, so you know, we're going to do a lot of the same type of things that we did in in 2021, and and we're pretty optimistic about 2022. So it sounds, uh, from what I'm gathering from you, you you made a pretty, you, you focused a lot on people, yeah. and enhancing your looking after your team, right? And having you know an open mind and listening to a lot of the feedback because this mental health thing is an issue actually. And I, I did a podcast, uh, my 80th uh, episode just last week on mental health in the automotive space, coincidentally. So uh, to hear you speak about that is actually eye-opening. I mean, Everald, I mean, fear is a, you know, fear is, fear is a big thing, right? So when, when fear set in, you know, as a leader in, in, in my company, I had to make sure that I was, I was saying and doing the right things with my team and, and and working out of it and then same thing the way we communicate with our customers was really important as well so um, we got out of the gate really quick and made sure that we were you know doing the right things when it comes to um, you know and there's still a little bit of fear in the market but um, people are kind of coming out of it now and 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 in their decision making and and going that route so well that's good congrats so what do you think uh, Jason dealership should change in their operations going forward in 2021 well I think one of the biggest changes as an industry that we had to make was the way that we communicate uh, with our customers. Uh, if you take a look at any you know, dealer website out there, you know, we ask two forms of communication, a phone number or an email address. And you know, so as an industry, we had to quickly adapt our communication efforts to a, to a level that the customer was comfortable for. So I think one of the biggest lessons that we, that we learned you know, this previous year and going in now and this year is, is how do we maintain that? You know, is, is, 
you know, asking the question like, you know, do people want to chat on Facebook Messenger? Is that, is that where they feel comfortable? Do they feel comfortable chatting on LinkedIn? Everybody knows that if you're trying to get a hold of me, you don't call me or text message me. I mean, you guys all do it all the time too. It's like, if you're going to get an answer from me, it's going to be quick. It's going to be on LinkedIn. It's going to be on LinkedIn, mes LinkedIn Messenger. So I, I think that's probably for, for me when I saw one of the biggest things that, one of the biggest lessons that dealers uh, have, have learned and I hope they continue you know, with this is communicating to the customer way the customer wants to communicate, not the way us as a dealer want to communicate. That's, that's important. So right off the bat in the first two questions, we're talking a lot about communication uh, as a, a big trend uh, and uh, a, a big place that, you know, we need to make a lot of improvements going forward uh, for dealerships uh, to be to operate optimally, because I think communication has always been such a big deal, but now more and more, um, some dealers have really, really stepped up the game, and that has paid dividends uh, with their team and their um, and, and their customers. So, <clears throat> so from a gentleman, from a guy who manages a huge inventory in Kia, Canada, <laughs> we'll ask you the inventory question. Sell everything. Sell everything. <laughs> Um, that's cool. So, uh, uh, so Ted, um, for many dealers, uh, inventory levels will continue to be a big concern and, uh, in some cases affecting re revenue, affecting revenue through 2020 and on through 2021 in a very big way. So what are some of the revenue streams dealers could, uh, could focus on going forward for 2021? You know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in 2021. My, my, taking my OEM hat off and my OEM friends are not going to like this answer. Um, I am going to say to, to dealers out there that they, they're going to have to be very cognizant of what the OEM does because, as you know, production um, shut down during the pandemic. Uh, it's starting to ramp back up. Ramping back up means that they are building to try and catch up a little bit. And I think dealers are going to have to be very conscious of what the OEM is going to be doing with regard to inventory management in 2021. I think dealers will find that there's going to be a lot pushed to them um, as the OEM ramps up with, with their production. Uh, so managing that and keeping uh, the right amount of inventory is going to be very important. Um, but I think ways in which they can look at other revenue opportunities, it's not necessarily other streams because I think dealers, you know, and a lot of the dealer agreements limit what they can do. Um, you know, they can only sell a certain brand other than used. They can sell multiple brands. Um, they can offer other services to clients. They're going to have to make sure that service is, um, they communicate a lot more. We've talked about communication quite yeah. a bit, but communicating um, and managing your database is going to be the biggest thing that I see as an opportunity in 2021. Uh, I think the pandemic really did show us that having the communication with your existing client base will help people manage through a situation like we went through. Uh, and dealers, the best dealers will continue to do that. They will exploit their database in a positive way to bring in opportunities to the service side of the business. And that's where they're gonna be able to capture um, new opportunities in 2021 if inventory is off. So making sure that service is robust. Um, and then, you know, we, we know there's a shortage in pre-owned vehicles and they're very costly right now. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to change in the near future. I think that's six months into the year before we'll see it flatten a little bit. Um, so again, managing that database is a great way to get consumers into new vehicles and you can pre-sell, you know the values, really good managers and there's, there's a, a lot that are out there um, that can future predict what that value is going to be and they can pre-sell the incoming new car and make sure that inventory is turning as quickly as possible. And I think that's a way a lot of dealers can generate additional revenue as well is, is balancing the inventory. Um, most OEMs give some form of credit, uh, hold back or flooring credit. And if you can turn the inventory quick enough, those credits become revenue and, and that's a great way to manage profit for 2021. Don't you think there's also like a little bit of a training element though too here? Like I'm finding like, you know, certain dealerships are so used to selling a, a specific vehicle, right? Like <laughs> let's look at domestic manufacturer, right? You know, 60 to 70% of their sales could be trucks. <laughs> now all of a sudden they don't have them. Yep. <laughs> like trying to like rebuild their identity. I mean, now you're talking to salespeople who are used to, you know, one out of, or you know, three out of every four customers they sold a truck to. Now they got to figure out how to quickly sell SUVs. That's one thing I thought, you know, I was like right now, it's like, I, I, I'd be putting a, a significant amount of money in, in training and retraining the staff 
on just how to sell, you know, how to sell different models. I mean, there are people now looking for less expensive models. I mean, it's a more of a conversation around around the vehicle. I think more than it ever has been before. It, it is, and and you know, I would say if you, if you step back a few years, that that would be an easier challenge than what they have now. Now manufacturers are using single platforms for multiple different vehicles and having access to that platform creates its challenge. I mean, if you're building uh, a, a truck on a specific platform, there's probably two SUVs in the lineup that are also on that same platform. So having access to even the SUVs is, is becoming <laughs> a challenge. And we, we've seen it, right? I mean, the industry has been continuously changing, small SUVs, midsize SUV. The, the sport utility vehicle, uh, I mean, it's become the main sales um, vehicle of, of most dealerships, yeah. right? Cars have you know, somewhat gone by the wayside, and that's why we're seeing people ramp down their production or offerings in that space. Um, so it's really not about necessarily transitioning from truck to SUV, it's transitioning back to car in some cars. Yeah, it's like reteaching the salesperson right. how to like sell smaller cars. I mean, Dan, you gotta be seeing some of this with the trade information. I, I was gonna you're say, getting, if, right? if you don't mind me piling on a little yeah. bit, I, I think that you know to move from one brand of car to selling the car is probably not enough of a move. Yeah, and I think we need to get away point. from moving, uh, from selling the car entirely. We gotta sell the problem. The problem associated with the life event that that customer came in with, because they came in with a life event. And the loyalty is dying nowadays. We're talking about inventory shortages and you're gonna get the inventory that you got kind of thing. So as a sales rep, you need to be able to take that life problem and whether it's this truck, whether it's this car, whether it's this brand, whether it's new, whether it's used, you gotta be able to explain how that person, how that vehicle and the brand will solve the problem in their life event. That's so true. I mean, because look, I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody builds a bad car anymore, right? I mean, you remember the Hyundai Pony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we were just talking about that brand new Lelantra. Holy crap. Like 30 inches of touch screen, voice activation. That, that's not a pony. You know, like nobody out there makes a bad car anymore. I think to Dan's point, it's, I think, solving that life event and the vehicle, how it just kind of matches to that. You know, we, I think as an industry, we've been... Um, I don't know, like maybe things have been made easier for us because it's easy just to sell the inventory itself or the car itself. You know, now like things are getting tighter. We're having to sell that life event like Dan was saying. I think that's actually really cool. Well, I, I like the terminology life event because um, for years now, I've been preaching about solving customers' problems before they even think they have a problem. Right. And I even had this conversation earlier with, uh, with Paul and um, not seeing the clients more than once. Uh, managing lease accounts or finance accounts, I, I, it, this was no different to me that we had to go to an appointment-based system because that's how I worked anyways. Um, so, and I've always analyzed it that we're not in this business to sell anymore. It's never actually has been about selling, maybe 20 years ago, but it's, ne it's not about selling. It's about solving people's problems. And, one of the greatest um, compliments that I think dealers and sales reps and managers can get is when you are able to anticipate the customer's problem by listening and giving them valuable feedback and helping them choose something that solves that problem even before the, pro the problem occurs uh, in, the, in their life. So, so that's very, very good. And I wanted to go back and, and pick on John uh, a bit uh, with the next question because <laughs> because he started off so eloquently eloquently um, so as we were approaching um, the one-year mark of the, the pandemic how, how and you touched on um, stress levels how do dealers navigate and help employees with their stress levels well what we we decided to as a company and it was the best practice and I, I know lots of dealers do it but uh, we we rolled out cultural surveys right so we, we reached out to every staff member and um, in the past you might just email them, right? Um, and, and then they fill out something, but we actually um, put a process in place where an HR, you know, independent person, which is kind of, you know, you know she's the middle person or, or he the middle person. I see there's an HR person here, but uh, we found that it was necessary for that HR coordinator or manager or whoever to sit down with the employee and kind of be the stepping stone towards 
you know, the in-between between management and they were able to share, you know, what, what they were going through and this type of stuff. And then we would analyze that data. Uh, we'd meet with the managers um, and go over it. And then in some cases, we, we knew that we had to educate our managers and that they had to take courses. And, and you know, in some types, in some cases, we screwed up, right? And was like, hey, you know what? We're not handling these things proper and, and we better fix it. And, you know, like more, you know, like uh, an, an easy example would be like social clubs, right? You're charging staff members 20 bucks. Well, then when you have COVID and you can't do any social events. So what can you do? You know, th these are just little things, but sometimes you don't always think about it. Well, we're going to have them down the road, you know, but um, instead, so now, you know what? Hey, we're going to department at that. And, you know, once a month, your department's going to have lunch brought in and, you know, we're going to still try and do them, but at a smaller thing. And so just, but I mean, that's just one example, but there was lots of little things that came open. Um, with the culture survey. So we know that we have to do those more often. We know that we have to try and um, listen to the employees on what their stresses are at work and, and then, uh, you know, help them try and, you know, as a company resolve them because if the employees uh, feel better at the workplace, then they're going to give better customers experience, right? So. The little things, it's what it makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah. It, it really is. And, and you know, I, I complimented John before we started today. Um, about an initiative that he did giving turkeys to his staff member for, for the holiday season. And you know, it, it really has become, um, stress is all around us. There's people that you know, are, are coping with the pandemic in, in ways, um, various different ways. And it's difficult, you know, going to work is difficult. Being with consumers, understanding where they might have been and, and the risk that you're taking going to work every day. Uh, a lot of the dealers that I've spoken to, it's, it's, it's making it fun. You know, work can be fun and, and understanding that everybody's in the same boat and we're all facing these challenges. In, in a lot of dealerships, they're finding that as a catalyst to bring them together. And, and I think if you do, if you bring your team together and John's initiative is mm -hmm. and a lot of dealers initiative of, of putting out the surveys and finding what we can do and how we can do it better um, is, is great because the voice of your staff is vital. And, and what, what happened on it is in some cases, a general manager didn't really know how his employee was perceiving him, you know. Um, and, you know, it's obviously not easy being a GM right now or a manager of people in, in this environment in any company or any type of industry. But um, when they seen it in, in writing that, hey, you know what, two or three of the same employees kind of, you know, and, and I approached it with them and said, hey, don't, you know, don't feel bad about this. This is how we're going to learn, right? This is how we're going to get better. So, I mean, there's no perfect managers, there's no perfect, you know, no one's perfect, so let's take this feedback and try and be better, right? Um, and I think the employees really liked it that, you know, they seen some changes immediately because of the survey. Yeah, and I like that whole, um, you know, top approach when owners, dealers focus on their staff or focus on their teams because you, what, what ultimately you want is that your team become ambassadors. And if you have you know, 50 ambassadors running around your dealership, that's going to say, show a lot to your customers. And one, one of the worst things I've seen in, in dealerships is when customers walk in and you can tell that they are, you know, one department is disagreeing with the other and, you know, yeah, the air is it's thick. In, yeah, the air is <laughs> thick and there's inconsistency and in information, in attitude, in philosophy. And uh, so it's, it's a very big deal today to, to have that, to, you know, a consistent uh, platform, a consistent philosophy in dealerships. Well, I, I think with stress right now, and, you know, I've been actually talking a lot more about this than I thought, ever thought I would ever normally talk about this. But, you know, I, I think about when I first started working at a dealership. I mean, guys, we're in an industry that has a culture of check it out the curb. Okay, like, I mean, it is, right? I mean, how many times did your manager, you walk in and you just broke up with your girlfriend or something like that, and it's like, no, this, this is Saturday, this is game day. Whatever the hell you have, you need to check it at the curb. And I still think for a lot of dealerships, that's kind of the case, you know? I mean, I remember getting frazzled with a deal going into my manager's office, and he's like, suck it up, buttercup, you know? And like, I'm sure I heard variations of that. And I, I actually think one of the big things right now is to, to kind of get ahead of the staff member being stressful, it's just allowing our team and our staff to actually have feelings. You know, yeah. too, too often we dismiss yeah. it so quick, we shut it down, 
And it's like, I, we, we need to let them know that it's okay. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that when we look at it from a cultural point of view, yeah, we gotta make it fun, but from a performance management point of view, I think it's really easy to put the responsibility on the team to have fun. Or you buy a piece of technology mm -hmm. and you say, go have fun with mm -hmm. that. It's a lot harder for us as managers when we don't hit a target right now. It is really tempting to push that pressure down, right? And go, hey, you know, why aren't we at our targets? Why aren't the numbers what they need to be this month? But I think starting with a little bit of empathy and understanding that there's so much change going on in the world right now, it's not just about how are we protecting our, ourselves and how are we protecting the team, but how are we teaching the team to protect itself from this stress and teach them stress management stuff like the, you know, the circle of influence and circle of effect. If we are constantly letting stuff stress us out that we have no influence over, of course we're gonna be stressed. But if we've done everything in our power, if you've set the clear expectations for the process, if they've walked the path and we're still not at the number, well, don't go home and beat yourself up. Separate that personal value from their professional. Value. I think on that note, Dan, too, like what, you know, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a couple sons in the business with me that are in their 20s, right? And, you know, what, what they've kind of tried to teach me is that not everybody responds to the same stuff, right? And then you also look at some of your managers who, you know, in the auto industry, they started in sales and then they become a manager and then they in finance and they work their way up, but they don't really have a lot of training on managing people or HR and whatnot. And, you know, they're, you know, they've, you know, because I'm a bit old school. So, I mean, obviously a lot of new, new age stuff and different types of profiles, but a simple thing is that, you know, young people like, you know, dad, we got to start texting, you know, a millennial at the end of the day and say, hey, you did a really good job with that customer today and how far that little, those little things go. Um, so just to try and, you know, you know, you know maybe, maybe the females, employees respond to a different thing. Maybe the older generation responds and kind of really kind of strategizing how we're communicating with the staff has been I big. think, um, you know, and with, with communicating at scale is, is what I've kind of learned in the last few years where all too often, everyone gets painted with the same brush in the dealership. And, and, and like you were saying, uh, October is done or November is done and come December 1st, you're zero again and you have to start over, right? And, you know, you, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, that phrase. Well, okay, you did great. You, you hit your target in one month, but now you're starting, now, now you're at zero again. And I'm not sure how that is supposed to motivate a team. And the, this whole blanket type of communication that dealers and managers have been using for decades just kills productivity because everyone needs to be dealt with at scale. Everybody's problem is different. Some handle stress better than others. I know in my dealership when a lot of the teammates are not able to speak with a the manager, they run to me. And they're running to me because they just need to talk to somebody anybody that will listen instead of being dismissed as insignificant as it's it's not important you know when in fact it's the probably the most important thing right then yeah and I, and i and i think everybody's used the word and i think what's really important particularly in the situation right now is is team yeah. right i mean it it's not top down anymore you have to view it as a team um i had a philosophy when you know throughout my career i've had a philosophy of I'm not going to ask anybody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And I, I've always been willing to step in and help. And, and I think nowadays that's really, you know, and, and John's a great indicator for, for how successful you can be when you do those types of things. And we see it in, in, in what his dealerships have been able to accomplish. And, and obviously it sounds like his staff are well, well looked after and, and understood. And, and I think if you, if you bring everybody in as a team, if you make it about the team, not about individual performance, you can eliminate those rollover months where, you know, how do we do? We did great. And guess what, guys? We're way ahead for the, you know, for the year so far. We're doing much better than we ever thought we were going to be. And, and the good news is going into December, let's just have fun. We'll sell yeah. as many cars. More of a momentum speech Absolutely. as opposed to a start over. I, d I do want to note, Ted, that we do screw up sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I understand. Um, but uh, the idea behind it is just, 
you know, when you do screw up and you, and you, you talk to your GM or sales manager, say, hey, we, we really screwed up, or even myself, sometimes I've screwed up the way I communicate and just recognizing it and trying to react to it right. and recover, right? But uh, That's what I mean about the team. That's exactly and I, what I mean. I, and I really think that's where excellence starts from, by the way, is that mentality of I screwed up instead of, oh, you know, the, the refs are the reason I'm in the penalty box or the, my number's not my fault. So with that said, gentlemen, um, should dealerships' training efforts change in 2020? Well, actually, it's not even if they should. We, we all know they should, <laughs> but will they? And how is probably more appropriate should dealerships' training efforts change going forward in 2021? Well, we start with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to jump right in here and yeah. say that if dealerships haven't changed their training efforts by this time, as you're hearing this, we're already behind the eight ball. Why? It goes back to that whole selling to life events, not selling cars. When you look at what people value nowadays, they value their time. They don't value their money. And so every dealership right now needs to be developing out that inside sales force, that digital sales force that maybe you've been resisting for, for the past couple years because you got that... Um, you know, the group of top sales reps that uh, there's always the change management to go along with it. But if there's one thing that I can promise you, outside of the automotive industry, there's been 14 inside sales reps hired for every outside sales rep and retail sales rep every year. And this is going to be the year that that starts to happen in the automotive industry. So that digital sales training, it's a must. And what are, what are other areas of training that you think are valid uh, or needed in other than you know the sales aspect, um, what other areas do you think that dealers and dealerships should adapt training? Well, if I'm getting more specific, every when I say digital sales, I just I don't mean selling a car. I more mean selling an appointment. There's so many dealerships out there that struggle with selling a car, but don't struggle with closing an appointment when it gets to the showroom, right? So why are we trying to sell a car? to someone who's a web lead. That would be like me trying to ask someone on a first date and then choice close them on a wedding. Wait a second, I think you've done that, haven't you? <laughs> I, I tried it, but yeah, no. And, and, and realistically, uh, the number one thing that you're gonna hear from your, from your sales team when you're talking about, you know, this is how you sell an appointment is, oh, but I can't get contact. Great, that sounds like the first thing we need to sell is contact, mm -hmm. you know? I think I think just on that one, uh, Everald is is practice makes perfect, right? And I think you know what happened with a lot of stores, and and our company was one of them, is because of the COVID demands and and not being able to you know have meetings and you know the six foot rule and having gatherings. What happened is that that kind of became a way out almost to stop training, right? Um, and then recognizing, hey, this our teams need it more now than ever, right? So. We tried to get back to, you know, breaking it into smaller groups, breaking it into, you know, you have, you have some training on product knowledge because that, that has to, you have to keep on that practice makes perfect. You know, customers are so educated right now that if your staff isn't product knowledge, then you're going to be dead in the water, right? Especially with the competitive landscape with all the, mar with all the auto industry. And then um, the process obviously changed. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's a different process now than there was a year ago, right? So, and how you communicate and then, the customer experience um, is is so important, like Dan said, with with some <clears throat> with some digital and, and with with the communications, like even simple things like you know doing video now when you're communicating and, and that type of stuff. Um, so that's all develops training because not everybody's really comfortable getting in front of a you know. I see some of the guys here, you know, they're doing videos and social media, but you know, a salesman three years ago, you know, didn't really have to do that, right? Um, now the top salespeople um, know that they have to prospect on social media. They have to do Facebook. They have to do, um, <clears throat> you know, they have to use their own um, ways of communicating in the circle of influence and family and friends and whatnot. So, you know, we had to ramp it back up. We just had to find ways to start talking and start making sure that our best practices were happening again. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think the big one is, is, is training on the experience. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, people are excited to go to a dealership. They actually want to. I mean, the stats show that it's, look, we've all been stuck at home for a long time. We're, you know, we're, <laughs> well, especially we the lately, moment. they've been excited to go yeah, to the dealership. I mean, we get the moment to go out. We get an opportunity to go out. We want to go out. But the expectation 
of the customer or the consumer has, has, has changed in a big way. I mean, we just, we're not willing to accept mediocrity anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like you, 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 go, you go to a restaurant right now, you only, can, you only have like 10 or 20 people or whatever it is, you know, and like the food comes out not so hot, right? Look, if the restaurant was totally full, you're kind of like, eh, okay, they're super busy, we can move on. But now that's, it, it's unacceptable. You know, it's like, what you, what, this doesn't make any sense. So, so this level of expectation in the consumer as far as what the experience is, because you know, the, when they do go out, it's just gotten incredibly higher. I think when it comes to training and coaching, um, the biggest training efforts I would, I would change moving forward is training a lot more on the experience than also about how we measure the experience. Because I don't know a whole hell of a lot of dealerships out there that are measuring the experience at the dealership level. The manufacturer does with, surveys that we all love so much when, you know. and even reviews now like yeah. I mean people have more time so they're sending more reviews and mm -hmm. and then obviously listening to the reviews because <laughs> you know if I'm gonna go to a restaurant I'm gonna look at the reviews and see okay how are they with the COVID stuff how it's are an they event. some people want masks some people yeah. don't want masks all that type of stuff right so um, you got to be really aware what the but you know that your customers are having mm -hmm. a good experience and, th and that's and that's where there's a, a big gap is uh, you know, I stepped into an opportunity uh, a, a little over a year ago with a dealer group and they weren't paying any attention to the Google reviews whatsoever. And whether it's, whether it's Google, Maritz, JD Power, um, IHS Market, any of those, you know, soothsayers of, of what happens in the marketplace will tell you is third party endorsements are what people are looking at. It's not good enough now to put an ad in the paper or on the radio or a billboard that says how great you are. Nobody cares about what you've put out. They want to care about what people who have come to visit you have to say. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about training, um, you know, my, my two big ones in line with everybody here would be communication and, and experience. And the communication piece is, is, is vital. Um, you know, I've hap I happen now to be in an industry where there is direct communication with the, with the consumer. And when you allow the salesperson uh, even in some cases, the manager to have that too much freedom to interact directly. I'm seeing marketing pieces where, you know, we go from the end of a sentence into the next sentence and they're conjoined. <laughs> and they're spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes because we're not taking the care and making sure that the message is clear. And if the message isn't, I mean, maybe I'm unique, but I look at things like a dealership's website or any business's website, the way they communicate with me in, as an indication as to the way they operate their business. And well, that's going to be your perception. That's going to be your, that's your, that's, 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 that's my how, perception. That's what you're expecting going, yeah. going into it. And the consumer's expectation has just gotten so much higher. If you can't you. formulate a sentence on a simple question that I might have about a car, you're done. Man, I don't know that I want to go <laughs> spend money at that location. Yeah. I, and like I said, maybe it is just me, but I think there's a lot of consumers oh, out there I mean, a lot of consumers. that are looking for levels of professionalism that go beyond. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up tomorrow, but I'll, I'll say today, Gallup in the U.S. has done two polls, one in, 2000 and, um, one in 2011, one in 2018, and it was salesperson uh, trustworthiness. And in 2011, they had an 8% trustworthiness. Canada is not dissimilar. <laughs> I looked at numbers for Canada as well. I think it was McLean's that did the study, uh, and and it was poor. One of the worst-rated job professions was second trust. Second worst. Second, second worst. Behind only lawyer. Yeah, I think. <laughs> no, that's in Canada. I'm familiar. So, so 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 you know, not great ratings. And then we move ahead nine years, and for me, or eight years, and for me, it's difficult because on the OEM side, I saw dealers like everybody. Mm -hmm. um, really put a strong effort into building that customer experience. And Gal Pool in 2018, they weren't last, but they were still at 8% trustworthiness. And only politicians, and I can't imagine what happened in the US between <laughs> 16 and 20 that might, or 18 that might have changed that, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it's sad because I think there are so many strong efforts that are being done by the OEM and by dealers to improve the impression with the consumer, but it was still an 8% trustworthiness. Well, and, and, true. and think about how, how correct the consumer would be to not trust us if we're trying to sell them a car. And they're right about that stigma of, oh, you'd say anything to me to get my money and put me into this vehicle rolling down the road, right? But if we start coming across as, I'm not here to sell you a car. I just wanted to help you. I noticed you took this action online. If you took that action, well, I'd imagine you're much like the last three of my customers 
that were doing that, they felt this way, they felt it really helpful when I did this. I don't know if you were expecting my call, but you know, maybe you could come down and I could help you the same way. What do you think? Yeah. Just, to, just adding on the reviews and the customer experience, one of the things that back a couple of years ago, even our, my company and some of my employees, we didn't, we didn't do a good job with was when we did get a bad survey or we did get a bad review, um, not knowing, like it, it, it isn't really, it's all about the recovery, right? So, you know, having to actually teach a manager how to say you're sorry was a big thing. It's like the first thing that comes out of your mouth should be, I'm sorry, I screwed up. And this is how we can make it right and, and listening. But, you know, most times we don't recover quick enough. We weren't calling them back within, you know, that they sent a review or they sent a message. And then the person that it should have went to didn't phone them immediately. Like, okay. like I mean, immediately, like within an hour. And then because it just escalated. And by the time it, and then it got to me. And if it gets to me, they kind of failed, right? In fairness. Um, but, um, you know, um, being able to actually go through a whole concern resolution that, hey, the first thing out of your mouth is, I'm sorry, we screwed up. How can we make it right? And Jason and I had this conversation about a month ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. And, and here's, here's yeah. the irony of it. I, I said to him, I said, if you can train your management and your salespeople, um, sales managers, anything, it's to learn a phrase that starts with, if what you are telling me is correct, then you have every right to be upset. Yeah. No. Because you're not saying you are right. You're saying if what you're telling me is right, but allow me the opportunity to investigate and find out more about what happened. Let me hear your side of the story. You'll diffuse every angry customer you ever meet if you say that, because right yeah, away- Someone told me that. What been, it, yeah. What's their response gonna be? It can't be, well, you're agreeing with me, so I'm still angry. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's never gonna be that response. You're gonna diffuse the situation, get them out of your showroom because you don't want your other potential customers or your existing customers to see any of it get them into an office, have them explain the story, yep. do your investigation and make sure you get back to them. That's the most important. For sure. So I'll ask you to summarize this, this you know, because we've, we've ran into the next question, which is pretty good. We've pretty much already answered it. But if I were to get just a quick tip from each of you, how the consumer has changed in 2020, what would, what would you say, Dan? Uh, if you can't go on your own website right now and go through everything that you would need to research in order to actually walk in, and you can't do that on your cell phone within about 90 to 120 seconds, just pay attention to that would be all I would say. Because as a consumer, the demands have risen so much that as a dealer, you're not really competing with the dealership down the road anymore. Your online experience is competing with Amazon's online experience. And their ability to get that trade-in report or pull their credit rating and see if they'd get approved they're comparing the ability to get that answer with how quick they pull up Netflix on their phone. So that is the customer's expectation nowadays, in my experience. What do you say, Ted? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the customer is, it's two, it's two, for me, it's, there's two answers to this. One is, um, I believe the customer has really become uh, more educated than ever before. Yeah. Okay. They, they are coming armed with so much more information, which is a good thing because if they've decided after they've gathered all that information to step into your store, they're likely to buy if you do a good job. It's yours to screw up if they've gotten to that point. Um, but the second thing I think that we have to leverage, and, and I, I see dealers, really successful dealers doing this, they've become way more understanding because of the pandemic and because of the situation we're in. Um, and if you, if you talk to them in that manner, I hope you understand we'd like to be able to offer this. We just can't because, um, you know, I, I sat in a chair from April through, well, second half of March through April on my own in one of our stores when I was with Plaza. Uh, and I sold 38 cars in that time frame. And for an old guy like me that hadn't sold cars, I'd been an, you know, an executive in the auto industry for a number of years. It was fun, it was great. But the best part about it was the communication with the consumer. Um, you know, you, you articulate clearly, you explain the situation, and that honesty and integrity that, that has to be brought forth nowadays does allow you to reach to that understanding side of the consumer. Um, and, and I think it builds a better relationship overall if you're truthful and you can, you can build off of that. Yeah, Jason, what, what do you think quickly how consumers have changed? Um, their demand for convenience has, has never been higher. 
It, it, just, it just really has. And, and it's not that it hasn't existed before, it has. It's just, uh, just as an entire society, you know, uh, we're looking at anything we do, uh, the way we order food or call in to get a pizza for my kids or get groceries from the store, you know, we are just beelining for the company that's going to do it in the most convenient way for me as an individual. And I think that's just been the biggest change. I'm kind of going at the end here, so yes. they, um, but, um, <laughs> Um, they want specialization, right? They, they, they want experts now um, when they're buying something. So they want, I mean, if they're going to buy a car off you, they expect you to, you know, know it really well. And in service, they want, you know, they want to be talking to an advisor that's educated. And um, when they phone in at the receptionist, they want to, so everything's sort of, you know, every, everything's had to be more accelerated on um, what the customer expectations are, being more aware of it, and then, you know, Dan mentioned it, but, um, you know, you have to embrace technology right now. And if you're not, and I mean really embrace it, because, I mean, even the last two years, it's changed so, when I look back from two years ago to now, and the websites from a year ago, and all the different ways of communicating, so, um, you know, you, you almost need your own department on technology just to stay on top of things, right? So. Um, that's that's an avenue that we're going to have. We're, we're going to have someone that's that that's going to be ahead of the technology, just to make sure that little things like even going all digital with the, you know the manufacturers now. Every one of them, you know, I have three uh, Kia, Nissan, and Hyundai. They have they have you know what's called you know digital certification on the websites where they give you a mandate of things that you have to have on your websites and how you can communicate and their demands on on what they expect, um, you know, so, you know, technology is going to be a huge one this year. So with that said, that technology is going to be massive for 2021. How can dealers like yourself help your sales reps communicate better with, with uh, customers? Well, you have to have a plan, first of all, right? So, I mean, um, what, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're going to do. And I mean, there's going to be lots of innovation. There's lots, I mean, you know, I could literally sit down in front of, all these people and 20 other vendors all day long if I wanted to and get pitched on different programs and software and, and I'm not saying that by disrespectful I'm just saying like there's so many things coming at you but you're gonna have to vet the right ones for your business and then you know that are gonna work best for the customers and um, but it, technology is going to you know you even look at some of the new models coming out on the cars like I'm driving a, a new Genesis and I mean I think I'm you know, I've driven new cars for a lot of years, but I don't, I don't even know how to change the radio station right now. I need to read the owner's manual. Like things technology-wise are coming so quickly that there has to be just, you know, you need to be training on this technology stuff. What do you mean change radio? Don't you just plug it into your iPad or sorry, your iPhone? And no, I know, but even the music? way, like, you know, you got, you don't got 20-inch, you got 20-inch touchless screens now that, you know, um, you know, you have apps on, you know, you can start oh, yeah. your car, you got all these yeah. things now. Um, you got links, you got all kinds of stuff and then um, they just, the, the vehicles are so advanced and then all these apps and stuff for salespeople and advisors and, you know, you know I, I expect that the sales process and the, advi and the advisor process will be completely paperless within two to three years. So if you're not on that, if you're not on that train, you're going to miss it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Dan, um, what, what do you think, and, and this is uh, one big pet peeve of mine too with dealerships, how do you think dealerships can strengthen their communication between departments? Well, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like it is technology, but it doesn't have to be expensive. You can go to formal solutions like Slack for team collaboration. You can just bring up your cell phone right now and start a group text message with your sales team or whatever the team is. So just making sure that, you know, I think to John's point earlier, uh, every different generation, every different personality type wants to be communicated with differently. And so using technology to do those things like in the moment updates, gratitude, rewards, recognition, stuff like that, it, it really does go a long way. But I think that the communication um, on the feelings is only part of it. The other part is using technology to communicate the process and the expectations. I can't tell you how many sales reps I talk to right now stressed out in dealerships they know what the goal is and they know what the starting point is, but they have no idea what step two is. All right. So, Jason, yeah. you're, you're a big culture guy. 
<laughs> I like my culture. Well, and you know what's funny though, because I'm not even that good at it. But yes, I do. I do like it. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll start with the orange shoes <laughs> and tie. So, how do you define dealership culture? How? Uh, Oof. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I, I'd love to say that it's something that I'm always trying to be better at, right? Like I, you know. I'm, from the outside, maybe I'm looking like I'm doing a good job, but I still consider myself to be an amateur. Like I just feel like there's just so much more to learn, especially right now. There's seen so many dealerships that had an amazing culture, and that culture was built off of consistent communication strategies. And then, of course, kind of the ability to have that FaceTime and that one-on-one kind of disappear. So then it's like, okay, how do you how do you kind of rebuild that? But the way I kind of look at culture is, you know, you, you, the collective team is working towards a singular direction. Meaning that if, if you're not around, they all know which way the ship is steering, right? You know, so often we think of, you know, our dealerships as, you know, well, we do. We set them up in managers in different levels. And, you know, then you got the owner. He's the captain of the ship, and he's the one who's steering it. And I, and I tell you, out of the hundreds of dealerships, you know, that I've had the opportunity to go in and visit, it, it, it's not just the captain of the ship steering it but it's the entire team truly understanding the direction of the business and they can grab that steering wheel whenever they want and steer it just as well as the owner can. And that's a, it's an amazing thing. It's rare, but it's an amazing thing. I, I think the key behind what you said is when you're not around. Yes. Right? Like that's strategy, really kicks in. Strategies what, strategy is us making good stuff happen when we intend for it to happen. Right? Whereas culture is making sure that the good stuff happens even when there's no intent. And it's just, that's what we're doing. It's the, it's the atmosphere and attitude that you create within your organization. That's really what it comes down to when yeah. you talk about culture. I mean, that's, that's, that's the space you have to live in. So the atmosphere has to be livable, right? Um, so Dan, uh, with all the cool stuff with technology um, you know, that we were talking about here, what, what excites you? going forward in 2021 about technology in the auto space? Gosh, um, honestly, it's, uh, I think that the most exciting thing for me is the culmination of all these technologies into something, one process that actually works. And what I mean by that is you're going to see this is the year that auto dealerships go completely virtual and have inside sales teams. I think John had, had made a 100% correct prediction about within two to three years, that entire desking process, it is 100% going to be paperless. And so video offices, paperless desking, being able to adjust those payments right on the fly. And uh, another really challenging part is the, te- the showroom died. So we need technology to bring the inside of what's happening in the showroom on the outside, showcasing the vehicle features, warranties, all our F&I profit centers, things like that. I'm really excited for it. So John, from a dealership's perspective, from a dealer principal's perspective, um, how has your role changed? Our dealer principal's role changed, you think? Oh, quite a bit. I mean, obviously you have to be, I mean, you know, like I said, when that happened, you had to be really dialed in. So, I mean, um, in the past, you know, you have people in place, but, you know, we, we really had to drill down on a lot of different KPIs, right? So, I mean, like I said, there's expense control, there was employment engagement, there was customer engagement, um, you know, there was inventory, there was, there was lots of things. So, um, we were, you know, we, were, we started off at the start in March doing, you know, doing GM calls on WhatsApp every day, and then now it's once a week, right? Um, but, you know, it... it, it I think it accelerated the car business on, on you know, most dealers were, are way more advanced on technology. Um, they're way better at communicating with their staff. They're way better, they're way better at communicating with employees. Um, so I think that's been a huge improvement for, you know, and, you know, I want to obviously continue that growth. But, uh, um, no, I'm, I'm excited about 2021. Like, um, you, know, w- you know, we have a parts chat group. Uh, with all every single employee in the parts departments and you know what they were I didn't realize but the employees were actually like they were they were wanting this so like at the end of every day this is how many parts we sold this is how many tires we sold and then they compete with the other dealerships um, and the competitive nature came in but they could also hey do you have this part or then in service you know doing campaigns with advisors on tires and, and other things and then you had a salesman chat group and then I could do a 
you know, I could do, uh, I got the little gizmo with, you know, worth the video, trying to lead by example with doing videos and, and, and being able to do some training, even if it's only one or two minutes and saying, hey, let's not forget about the customer experience and wowing them and making sure we're happy when, when they walk in here and stuff like that, and then hit all your staff. Um, where before you'd, you know, you'd bring them into a meeting. So it was, you know, you, you, you know, and they liked it. They wanted it. Hey, can you do more of those? Um, so, you know, what I found is that, um, you know, even we have a 72-year-old visor, he's, he's on the What's Chat group asking, like, hey, when's your next video, right? And then the 25-year-olds are eating it up, right? So uh, they, they loved the communication. Uh, big deal. So last question for, for the panel. I'll throw it out there to, to each of you to... Uh, give me a quick answer because I know you got lots to say on this subject, but what should dealerships do or how should their marketing strategies change for 2021? With everything that we've learned in 2020, going forward for 2021. All right, for the first time, I'm going to give the shortest answer on this panel, which is you got enough traffic. Focus on how you're converting the traffic into contactable leads. Put the tech in place so you can sell from home. I'm going to well, I'm going to be a little bit longer, but not much longer. Um, I, I, I've seen... Um, Dan was doing his mic drop, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> I think with, with marketing efforts, again, it's making sure that you reach out the right way to the consumer. And yeah. I've been a big proponent of cause marketing for years and years. And I think giving back to the community and doing the right things uh, within, within your market garners you so much more traction in the marketplace. And I don't see a lot of dealers taking advantage of that in the right way. It's not about, look at me, I gave a $5,000 check. It's having an event, getting the radio station to do a remote. It's getting the newspaper to be there and not put an ad in the paper, but tell the story of what you've done to support the community. Um, I think people are worn out. I think consumers have had a very tough year. People have lost their jobs or unemployment's never been as high as it is right now and some of those jobs may never come back um, and so you know things that you can do within the community to show that you do care and that you are community driven um, are really going to help dealers in in 2021 and that's one area where I think they should uh, explore opportunities well Jason the marketing guy what are your thoughts well, you know, my operations manager is going to hate me for saying this you know um, uh, I, I don't think we need to be spending you know a whole hell of a lot in PPC or SEM, whatever you want to call it, you know. Um, I, I think dealers really need to focus on their brand and what that, how that brand translates out in the form of value to the customer. Which ties into what I said about Cosmark. Yeah, exactly. Just not the radio station. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the remote would be on the lot. It's I part know, of the promotion. You know, you know. um, but, but no, it is. It's, 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 it's not necessarily, it's, look, it's not the price of the car you know, that's gonna to continue to bring them back. And sometimes it's not even the car that's going to bring them back. It's, it's what is the value of maintaining my vehicle, you know, at this dealership? What's the value of me coming back to get the car, you know, because my kid's now driving again. Like, what is that value to me? You know, it's not necessary. it goes deeper than a why buy. It's because a why buy is something that can exist right there at that given moment. You know, this is, this is brand. This is something that's got value. And, and over the course of a long period of time that drives me back to the dealership uh, a time and time again. What do you think, John? Uh, I mean, all the, all the gentlemen on the panel said some good ones. I mean, we, we wanted to have sort of a brand that we're a family-owned business in the community. And so, you know, Ted touched on that. And, you know, obviously there's not one little thing that you can do because, you know, whether we want... We, if someone's looking for a vehicle or looking for tires, we, you know, our goal was always to, you know, be maybe one of the top three that they thought of. And so how are we going to do that? Well, we know we got to do some community stuff. We know we got to, you know, maybe we're going to be a little bit on TV. Maybe we're going to be a little bit on, 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 you know, on the social media and making sure that we have good technology. And then the other one is just the AI stuff, knowing like so many dealers don't know how to look at data and actually do something with it, right? Um, so, I mean, that's something that I don't think I've been very good at is actually, I have lots of data, but knowing the behaviors of, of, my, of my customer base and knowing how to go about, you know, targeting them and giving them, you know, and doing that stuff. So I said, you know, embracing the technology and knowing what you can do with 
you know, the DMSs and, and all the stuff we already have and actually maximizing those is probably going to be a big one for the for dealers because they already have a lot of the data. Like this person comes in your service department three or four times a year. This person buys a car every two years. But do you actually know how the data works and how to, you know, go about it? So that, that would be a big one for us. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your... I'm going to say one more thing. One more th and not about marketing specifically. It's, it's just it's one of those things that is torquing me a little bit have right now with out. the industry and I have to get it out. <laughs> I got to get it I got to get it out. Because we've we've talked a lot about the dealerships, the operation, what to expect in 2021 and the answers have been fantastic and I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of guidance here for um, anybody that will be watching this. The one thing that I I've had some really good conversations with a number of dealers and they're all excited because they managed to make it in their opinion they've made it through the most difficult period which was that you know March through May time slot and they've come out and sales have come back and they're pretty happy with their years and they're they're excited about the bottom line and what they've done and my question to them has always been what are you going to do in 2021 what do you mean CEWS government supports not going to be there a lot of the bottom line a lot of the results um, have been driven by credits and benefits that aren't going to be there and my only thing would be to make sure that you do take that out of the financial statement, look at how your year has been with reduced staff and, and the functionality you've had with the dealership before you start to plan, or at least as you're planning 2021, don't count that as something that's gonna be part of, of you know, your, your bottom line or, or your income for uh, 2021. And John, I don't know how you accounted for it, but a lot of the guys that I have spoken to they're forgetting about that benefit and they're looking and saying it's robust I should sell I could get four times five times multiples and they're not true numbers when you when you take that amount in I, I mean I just did an assessment for a dealer the other day um, and, and he had hundred and sixty two thousand dollars you know and thought look my bottom lines like five five hundred and sixty will say was really it was four hundred because it's not going to be there next year right mm -hmm. and I just you know, when we're talking about so many important topics, it's just one thing that I think dealers need to remember that there are some things that have happened this year that have reduced expenses, um, which I think has been good in some ways because I think it's cleaned up a lot of excess that dealers had that they didn't need. Um, and they've proven to themselves that they can sell cars virtually, right, remotely, they can, they can do that. Um, but then there were some credits that came in that have to be really considered before, uh, before you look at 2021 20, and do your planning and strategizing. Well, Awesome. I, I'll just close off this, this sec section with my overall thought. Um, you know, we, we touched on a lot. Uh, conveniences that we can provide in the dealerships, customer service, uh, the customer experience, uh, rather. Um, teams, um, sales teams, uh, you know, increasing their product knowledge, technology, uh, marketing. Like, there's, there's a whole bunch here that we've covered. And uh, it's been, been really great. The one thing I'll throw in there is um, to, to summarize it all up is to have the right mindset going into for, uh, for 2021. It, it's great to have processes and technology, um, but I think it's also important to, especially in the times that we're in, to, to have the right mindset. And that comes with training, with listening, and uh, really realizing um, what makes each individual tick within our dealership. So knowing your, and I think, I think John's on the right track with getting feedback from your individual staff because that individual feedback will literally let you realize that salesperson A versus salesperson B can do much better, but what pushes their buttons are two totally different things. And dealerships have always painted people with this big paintbrush and you see numbers and you see targets and that's all you're focused on is percentages and targets. But if you empower people and bring out the best in people by identifying what really makes individuals tick, that collectively transforms organizations to unparalleled results, in my opinion. Great. Can I ask Dan one question before we get out? Absolutely. Dan, can you give us one little gold nugget on what the best dealers are doing for converting the leads? Uh, uh, happily, I, I almost did when you said it there, Everald. He said we talked about product knowledge, <laughs> prospect knowledge. 
prospect knowledge. Every little piece of information on that lead is something that you will use to sell contact. I cannot stress enough. If that, if, if you look at a lead and you look at that lead and say, oh, it's a bad lead, he's not interested in buying a car. Well, where did the lead come from? Did it come from your inventory and they sorted by the price ascending? So, well, right there, you know about the prospect that they are looking for a used car, they're probably price sensitive. Did they put a fake phone number in the field? Send them an email with a subject that says, I hate sales calls too, but I'd love to buy your car. I guarantee he's gonna read it, why? because you knew that that person was trying to hide from the salesperson. Prospect knowledge. Prospect knowledge beats product knowledge.